Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 369, recorded July 17th, 2022. Yeah, so we're doing Mirror War number 6 and then Cisco number 1, which is also part of the Mirror War event of the year. Right, and quite the event. So I do kind of like how they got the big main story going, but then they also have these character-focused issues too. That's right. that's pretty cool. I mean, did they do that kind of stuff before? Mm, no. I mean, because that seems like a new thing to me. Yeah, this this is definitely new for them. Cool. Usually, it's just straightforward. Whatever the mini series is, mm-hmm. but uh, this is just jumping everywhere, which is okay. And and because it, it's kind of cool, because the like with the Jordy one, they told a story that doesn't really fit into the whole Picard's plot to do the whole Mirror War thing. Right. So it was kind of cool to have a little one-off that kind of explained what, where Jordy's coming from. Exactly. How did Jordy uh, become the man he is yeah. today? And the Data one too did the, yep. kind of the same thing. Yep. But unfortunately, the Cisco one just seems like a throwaway story, and and uh, uh, me me not like it. It, it. it lands a little flat for me. Yeah, I was a little disappointed, just because the whole the whole idea of Pirate Cisco is really cool. And we did see Pirate Cisco in Mirror War number five, mm-hmm. so it's obviously before he dies. So when they said there's going to do a Cisco, and all the time frame stuff that I saw said that it was like before Mirror War zero, so mm-hmm. it was just like okay, cool. So this is like a a prequel, and, and it well, is, but like man, the other it, ones, it it really it really doesn't answer any questions, and in fact, just makes things more muddy than they need to be, in my opinion. Right. Okay, which we'll, we'll talk about. We'll talk about, we'll talk. It. right? But uh, but yeah, f- uh, six on the other hand, I liked it. I mean, I like it, as far as it it fitting in with the overarching story and bringing back a uh, beloved next gen character mm-hmm. again. So yeah, you want to just jump into that one? Let's first? do it because let's find right. out about that backstory. There is a history between Picard and Akona. True. All right. Cool. Okay. So. Issue number six of The Mirror War is written by Scott and David Tipton. Artist is Gavin Smith. Colorist is Charlie Kirchhoff. Letterer is Neil Yataki. Senior editor is Heather Antos. Editorial assists by Vanessa Rial. Or Real. Depends on how you want to say it. Three covers. Cover A is dominated by Worf's Head. Uh, I was going to call him Emperor, but isn't he like Regent or something? No, whatever he is. He's, he's the big Klingon guy. Um, in profile, and you see his, his, his shoulder a little bit too, his left shoulder. Garak, a smaller version of Garak compared to Worf's head, is on the right, and he's looking a bit mischievous to me. One Cardassian Galor class and two D7s and three birds of prey take up the upper right-hand top area, right beneath all the text of the, uh, of the issue, the title and that kind of stuff. 
Cover B presents... Oh, that's by J.K. Woodward. Of course. Cover B presents a muscly drawing of Wesley in all his sleeveless glory. Covered by... Or covers by Amanda Madriaga. And finally, the retailer incentive cover presents a mirror being shattered by a batleth. Um, reflected in the shards are multiple views of data looking directly at the reader. Kind of, kind of menacingly. Covers by Mark Alvarado. A Klingon cruiser approaches what appears to be a space station that turns out to be a branch 147 of the Bank of Ferenganar. Two Klingons and a Cardassian bring a very large bag of latinum to three Ferengi bankers. Though small in stature, the Ferengis know their possession of money gives them the power in their dealings with the Alliance. They deride the physically more powerful Cardassian and two Klingons for being late with their payments. Suddenly, Captain O'Kona and three Confederates blast through an outer wall and proceed to relieve the Klingons of their payment when Picard and his team blast through another outer wall. Okona is captured, and Picard and company empty out the piggy bank. Okona is surprisingly friendly to Picard and addresses him like an old friend that he is happy to see again. However, not that much later, Troy is holding a Ferengi skull while she tortures Okona in an agony booth. She also asks a few questions, then just tortures him for a long time. Later, Okona is carried out of Troy's work area and Picard enters. Troy reports to Picard that Okona was one step ahead of them at the Ferengi bank, mostly because he knew Picard so well that he could figure out Picard's next moves. Okona also used social engineering methods to figure out some of Picard's passcodes and through them gain access to the ship's computer and therefore Picard's plans. Picard says he will have Data work on a data security upgrade. Picard speaks to Okona in the brig and we find out they used to be privateers working together for profit. Eventually, Picard saw no future in it and began his career in the Imperial Service, but Akona did not follow him. Picard says he needs to figure out what to do with Akona and departs. Picard tells Riker and Geordi they are increasing their raids on Alliance resources. The Klingon commander of Bagomir told them all about. The Alliance will not know what hit them. Picard's fleet of ships attack and fill their holds to the point they run out of room to plunder any more. When they return to Fondori, Picard and the Enterprise find themselves in a line of ships waiting to unload their booty. Meanwhile, elsewhere, Regent Worf is pounding on his favorite punching bag, Garak, in frustration. How can Picard be attacking in so many places? steal so many of the Alliance's precious resources. Back on the Enterprise, Picard is being called into a Skype call with Necheyev, Savar, and the Emperor. They say how great he is doing and that they are sending him more personnel to man the new ships. Picard briefs them on what he plans to do with all the new personnel 
which is essentially he's planning to launch his end game. Picard finishes with the big wigs and calls a meeting of most of the crew on Shuttle Bay 2. Shelby tells Riker maybe Picard is getting a little full of himself with all this in-person address to most of the crew. Picard fires them up real good. The fleet depart Fundori for their date with destiny. Picard pays Okona a visit and goes for a walk with him. Okona makes his play to become part of Picard's crew. Unfortunately for him, that is not what Picard had in mind. Okona's ego is taken by surprise when Picard spaces him. Picard has apparently decided not to take any chances with people that can predict his next moves. To be continued. So spacing him means he somehow tricked him into going into an airlock and then just opening open the door. Yes. <laughs> yes. So um, I think it was Battlestar Galactica that I first heard that term. Spacing somebody. Right. So I thought, I thought I could use it and people would know what I meant. It was just funny how they did it. Well, he looks quite surprised. And he he seems really surprised. Yeah, like, (laughs) did you not notice you were walking into an airlock? Exactly. Now, when this first happened, it was like, wow. Wow, Picard killed him. Was this just to show that Picard's uh, a no-nonsense badass? I mean, is is that why they did that? Because it seemed like it was a little extreme. Right. But then, as I was writing down notes, and it was like, it was pretty obvious that Akona knew Picard well enough that he could figure out what he's going to do next, and Picard can't take that risk. So that's why he killed him. I th- that's what I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So. Nope. And, and as far as the crowd of, uh, of people there in the Shuttle Bay 2, mm-hmm. I mean, you have people like, like if they're at a rock concert with their tongue sticking out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, is, is, is he like... Uh, I don't know, kiss or somebody where everybody's like sticking their tongues out like uh, like Gene Simmons. Oh right, yep. Just yep. seemed weird. He's like a rock star. He's like a rock star. Yeah, I know they're excited, but come on, rain yeah. in a little bit. Yeah. So everybody does look pretty excited. <laughs> I'm surprised nobody has lighters going. <laughs> so I really love the drawing of all the ships. So there's like. What was there like thirty ships or something that they're able to cram into those pages? So it's a big two-page spread, and uh, it's got a a galaxy. It has the Enterprise on the right in the front, and then along with one of the um, what, what was that class again? I forgot the class's name. Oh, the one that you were talking about last week yeah. that has the modular top section. Exactly. I forgot what they are. But, I forgot what they're called too. Um, but they, I mean, they, that looks like most of them. Most of them, but but let's. But there are some other ones there, so there is more variety. I mean, do you see that thing that kind of looks like a galaxy class, but the nacelle pylons are, are like dipping down? Right, the one that's right on the the page crease. Yeah, right. So it's kind of like almost like a Corsair gullwing uh, kind of thing there, but with a, a starship nacelles. Right. So I thought that was interesting. So they're not all, you know, that one class. Sure. I mean, there are some that definitely look like they're galaxy class. So. Yeah. Yep. And they all have NCC registries, which, which I found funny that he, he kept that up. 
Oh, right. Oh, as opposed to uh, Picard class. Right. <laughs> exactly. He still says he's part of the uh, the Empire. Well, when he takes it over, sure. But I did like this page uh, because it did show what you were talking about last week, which is, you know, there, there at the bottom, you see a whole bunch of the whatever class that is. Mm-hmm. And it has that little modular part. It has one one version, at least one version of of, uh, of each one, maybe two versions. Yeah. Where I, there's I, like one that has extra like nacelles, so maybe yeah. that one's faster, and then one that has like a smooth dish, which kind of looks like a radar right. ship of today. So maybe that's a spy one, and then you have another one that's the triangular one, which you said is all photon torpedo tr- tubes. Yeah, things like that. So, yeah, I was like, oh, this is cool. This is what Ken was talking about. He That's knows what he's talking about. On occasion. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't realize there were so many different types. I mean, I had only seen two types of, of tops before until this picture. Mm. Well, that's the beauty of uh, artistry. You can just exactly. make up whatever you want. <laughs> exactly. You can make up whatever you want. You can go ahead and draw your characters so they look like they're in their 20s. You can do anything. <laughs> That's foreshadowing so, to the next issue. So, uh, yeah, I was looking at this thinking, man, this would be cool if uh, Eagle Moss would make a whole bunch of these ships. <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. No, it's sad. So at the time of recording, which is yes. July 2022, yeah. Uh, Eagle Moss has just filed for bankruptcy, so we don't know if the uh, the awesome models they do uh, is going to continue. I guess yeah. I guess for now it's put on hold. Yeah, I, I was hoping this would just be a bankruptcy reorganization, you know, reorganization kind of thing. So they'd just be temporarily out, and then they come back, you know, roaring back after sure. they've reorganized or whatever. Um, and that still could be the case, as you say, but. As soon as you mentioned it to me, I tried to go to the Eagle Moss site, and the normal URL I use would not work. I got like a 404 browser error or something like that. Oh, wow. And then I had to just do searches, and I could get to Hero Collector, which is kind which of like is that. their subscription one, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I was able to get to that, but um, I couldn't get to any of the normal Eagle Moss pages where you could buy anything. So. Yeah. No, it's just horrible for anybody who, you know, started that subscription service oh, to either build out the Titanic. They had the Titanic, uh-huh. uh, Ecto-1, mm-hmm. and uh, Enterprise D Yeah, that I know of for sure. I mean, they might have had yeah, other They got ones. even more. Yeah. So that was the one where you paid like $20 a month for the next six years. The next kit. <laughs> and each, each month you got it like – a little tiny part of the of the vehicle that <laughs> you, you go building. one part live it up it's, oh man i mean i, I would have done it except it just seemed like a you know maybe not the best use of money <laughs> well if it wasn't so if it wasn't so many but it is right. so i watched i think i mentioned this before in one of our episodes but it was a while ago i watched a youtube video where a guy was building the enterprise d and and when this when this thing got done, because he was only part way through it, but when this thing got done, it it would be like the size of a filming miniature, like a real right. one. Right. And 
And what he had done so far was looking really good. Uh, with lights and everything. And of course, part of the, uh, the, the kit assembly was getting the wiring right. And getting the LEDs in the right place and all that kind of stuff. It was very cool. Uh, but it's like, oh my gosh, commitment. And where right. are you going to put all this? <laughs> I mean, what's well, going to take you a couple of years to make the darn thing? Yeah, it's going to take you a couple of years to put it somewhere? Get, get the pieces, yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah, where are you going to have it sitting? And then when you're done, what are you going to do with it? I mean, you're going to hang it from the ceiling? I mean, geez, it's big. And do you have to dust it? Like, in between months while you're building it, you got to dust it off first before you... <laughs> Maybe. ...put on the next piece? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's horrible. I, I really hope that uh, it, it works out and we can continue to get these cool models, especially now that... Picard introduced so many great new ships mm-hmm. in Picard Season 2. Yep. I mean, a lot of them where I was like, ooh, I, I think I might buy that one when it comes out. Sure. And, uh, and the, the Picard fleet or whatever that they had in the, in the first episode. And yeah, no, end. that's what I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Some, of those, episode, some of those had ships we all know and love. Um, you know, so what Sovereign, you know, we had a few Sovereign classes. But like you say, there were new ships there too. Right. And even the, the Stargazer was a new ship that looked really cool. Yep. Stargazer was new. Um, a new Excelsior. Excelsior, yeah. It's like a reworked Excelsior class, um, which again captures the spirit of the original, but in a, a more advanced version. Right. So, like I said, I hope, I hope it works out um, and they can get back on. I mean, just you got to think about all the people that work there i mean do they oh, still yeah. have jobs i mean it's well that's bad too it's yeah. it's it's horrible when you think about it yeah but it is you know just that now that i've bought in some of the eagle moss stuff mm-hmm. i mean now you watch movies and tv shows and you can sometimes see them in the background like uh on orville the new season <laughs> <of> orville, <laughs> i see the uh, orville uh model on uh in ed in ed's office and right. then on star trek season two of picard uh, young Picard was playing with the uh, NX01 model with mm-hmm. the uh, the with the engineering section, so the the refit mm-hmm. NX01. So it's just like ah, it's cool that they're like making it into the shows itself, and then we may or may not get any more. So yeah. So, anyways, well, we don't know 100 percent there from Eagle Moss, but they sure do look like it. Right. Although I will say about Ed's um, Orville, mm-hmm. it does look like the Eagle Moss one, except that not the base. The base, yeah, the base different. did look different. Yeah, so but, it's a metal, it's a metal, you know, just a metal rod going up into the right. belly of the sh- of the model. But I did watch the uh, the making of that Picard season two, and mm-hmm. and they did say it was the Eagle Moss. Oh, one. it was cool. Yeah, cool. Well, why not use them? They're really right. good models. Yeah, they're gonna sit there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to make everything custom. Mm. You know, I mean, they got a budget, so. Anyways, so yeah, no, uh, we hope things turn around for Eagle Moss, uh, yeah. and and if you were on the fence about buying some, me may, maybe do it sooner than later because the prices yeah. will probably just go up. People are, yeah. By the time people hear this, <laughs> they, oh yeah, good point. <laughs> the. Um, the horses have Good. will have left the barn. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> or, so, or it could all turned out, and we're and we're just talking about stuff that happened and got fixed in the past. Exactly, and they could be all back to business by the time this we post this true, thing. True. Let's hope so. All right. Well, then let's get back onto the comic book then, shall we? Yes. 
So uh, one of the things that kind of bothered me about mm-hmm. this book, yeah. and, and it's more of just a tie-in to Picard Season 2, okay. is the Ferengi skull. Ah. So we okay. saw a Ferengi skull in Season 2 of Picard, and it did not look like this one. It had actual ear bones. Oh, I don't remember that detail. Very nice. Yeah. So when um, Q was going through Evil Picard's little trophy collection, mm-hmm, there was mm-hmm. a Ferengi skull with, and it actually had a little bit of what what on a human would just be cartilage and would have melted away. But right. I guess on a Ferengi, some of his uh, ear lobes are bone. Oh, okay. Which I I thought was interesting. I was like, I did not know that. Sure, but you're not criticizing. No, I'm the not drawing here. I'm just you? pointing it out that, it's that there's a, a difference. difference. Yeah. There's a difference. Which, sure. as we know, with the new Paramount Plus universe, a lot of aliens look a little different than they used to. So, I, I'm not criticizing anything. I'm just saying it's a little different than the skull that we just recently sure. saw. Just weird Got that it. we saw a Ferengi skull for the first time, two different mediums mm-hmm. around around the same time. But in both cases, they were like evil versions of, oh, of our universe. I mean, they weren't the same one. One's a mirror universe, and one is an our universe, future. but in an evil future. Right. But still. Good point. Good point. Still, it's a cool shot with yeah. her just holding it up. Yeah, but definitely those that Picard world that they showed, that they presented, just, it was not the mirror universe, but it, it, it you know, it, it had some of the same mojo. Right. Some of the same characteristics feel. So, um, I always love me some Garak. So, uh, you know, Garrick is one of those characters I don't think you can ever have enough of. But he was basically just a punching bag for Worf. Uh, yeah, in, in the Mary universe? In, in this issue. Right. In this issue. So, it was like... And, of course, you know, some of the things he was saying, which is basically, warning, uh, the regent, you know. Uh, you know, hey, some stuff going on you may not want to hear, but it's probably pertinent to you not screwing this up. Um, right. So that was great. He, that, you'd expect Garak in this situation to be doing exactly that. But uh, in the end, it just got him a little can of whoop, whoop butt. Right. And I think this, this drives home when you're trying to fit in these issues with the mirror world mm-hmm. from Deep Space Nine. Because in the first couple of Mirror Universe episodes... Mm-hmm. Garrick is part of Kira's station. She, he's on the station with Kira. Mm-hmm. And and that was because Worf hadn't joined the cast yet. And then when Worf joined the cast and he was flying around in his Klingon ship, uh, Garrick ended up on there, like on a leash and was kind of like his pet punching bag. Right. Uh, much like he is here. So mm-hmm. I guess because it, you would assume it does take some time to build that fleet that in the first last issue, we were in the time frame before Worf joined Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. and then now we're in in the uh, the years where he was he was on the cast. So right, and also it's kind of weird because I mean Cisco was alive last issue, wasn't he? Because he helped yeah. him, or was that the issue before right, where he helped before. him where he helped him get free? Yeah, the last time we saw him, they helped Picard get free. So I'm assuming at this point in the Mirror War story has to be after he's already dead. And, yeah. uh, Interesting. So it, it's just, again, just trying to trying to time slot everything. Right. 
then of course we'll be doing the Cisco dedicated issue next, right. which apparently is earlier in in the time frame. Right. Which we have things to talk about with that, which I'm not going to talk about now. We're going to wait till it comes up. So, as far as Akona's costume, uh, mm-hmm. his spacesuit. Yep. Did you get a Star Trek the Animated Series vibe off of that? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> in the beginning when they first break in. Right. Yeah, so, it's just a fishbowl and, and, <laughs> and a force field. Well, at least they had the fishbowl helmets. So that's good. But definitely the rest of the body just had a uh, force field thing, like the Animated Series. Yes, right. I, I definitely agree with you. I thought that was funny. And I also found it funny that uh, even Okona is just using those crappy Federation phaser rifles. What do you mean crappy? Those are awesome. I, I don't like them. You just detach the front and you have a dust buster. You could vacuum up. <laughs> you could vacuum up the place a little bit. Yeah. You know, just clean up, up a little bit before people come over. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah Very proud. Oh, my God. If you're a space pirate, come on. You should have space pirate Weapons. Stuff not stupid looking fetter or uh, empire things. <laughs> anyway, yeah, because when Picard shows up, he's using the exact same phaser rifle. Yep, exactly. They all are like, right. Geez. Jeez, guys. But when Okona's shooting them, uh, and that woman with the little ear buns or the nah. hair buns, <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Mickey Mouse ears. Yeah, she. Well, the way they're holding them, which is, I don't, I guess I never saw them hold them like that. It reminded me of uh, the the blaster rifle from uh, uh, the Nintendo Entertainment Center. They they came out with like this bazooka looking device. Oh, the actual physical controller yeah. thing. Yeah, but it was okay. like a bazooka thing that actually made its way in the Super Mario Brothers movie starring Bob Hopkins. Oh, uh, oh really? <laughs> You know, that's a nice you know, nod. A classic. <laughs> that oh, I, I watch it constantly. Oh God, it's so bad. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, when when they were shooting them, I was like, is that the is that the Super Mario Brothers rifle? <laughs> I mean, did they always hold them like that, like bazookas, or? Well, there's no reason to. Yeah. I mean, Unless I guess you I guess if you want to aim. Aim. But for the most part, you just you know you're just gonna sling it low. Come right. on, you're gonna be well, cool. When you could put something on a widespread, a widespread, uh-huh. why would you ever aim? Exactly. Right. Just take out everybody. Yeah, and the fire coming out of here. So the beam is coming out of those two rifles, but then also this big, huge fire thing. Mm-hmm. It looks like, cool. It looks cool. It's just not very like Star yeah, Trek traditional Star Trek weaponry. It's true. Federation weaponry, anyway. But again, it's not the Federation. It's the Empire. I thought it was interesting how the Ferengi have bank and branches rather than star bases like everybody else. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Which really is like <laughs> that's like that's so appropriate for them. Oh, that's funny. I didn't even notice that. That's yeah. great. It's a bank. And it's a, it's a bank branch. So they got a bank they got a bank. The bank of Frankenar and they got branches there to serve your needs. Oh, that's hilarious. So that was funny. So what do they have in those smaller things? I mean, the main one you could see, there's the bank branch. I could see that. It just looks like one little building. Right. Uh, I guess those are habitat the... rings, maybe, where the where the employees habitat? live. Oh. Oh, there you go. 
and cook, you know, maybe ones like to grow corn or okay. mushrooms or whatever, you, you know, hydroponics. You don't want to be too tied down to uh, or dependent upon regular shipments. Exactly. Okay. It eats into your profits to get everything <laughs> imported. There you go. And branch 147 will be an efficient, profitable branch. Exactly. So my last comment, if, if I may just go ahead and finish off mine, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of subtle that I, it's probably been there the whole time and I just never noticed it, but uh, in the corridors of the ship, mm-hmm. it's all just black paneling instead of the cool Elkar's screens and stuff mm-hmm. and warm pastel colors that we always saw in uh, Next Gen, the show. Mm-hmm. But here it's all just black, black, uh, black panels everywhere yeah. with with neon lights mm-hmm. for illumination. So yeah. I thought that was kind of cool, just a subtle thing that I never even noticed that, you, you know, here in this universe, even their walls are dark. Yeah, it looks like a uh, a Darth Vader hallway. Sure. An empire, you know, Star Wars empire hallway. Yeah, I got you. Good point, good point. My last comment, I have one last comment. Um, I kind of like I kind of like the idea that the Empire has to send personnel to man Picard's fleet of ships, which makes perfect sense. Um, I mean, because you can make a bunch of ships, but if you don't have people that can man it, I mean, these are not automated ships. Right. Um, that makes perfect sense. It's just that You know, the Empire, the Emperor has to be, well, okay, so the Emperor looks like he's probably dead, who knows, or constantly, you know, uh, sedated, I don't know, and the Admirals are really running the show, but you gotta wonder, you send too many personnel to Picard, and then after he conquers the Klingons and Cardassians with the Alliance, eh, you gotta wonder about uh, the possibility of, of... Picard's ambition is going to take over the empire, the whole empire. Which right. you know that's what he's going to do. It's yeah, just that said that's what he's doing. Exactly, he's he's made it plain, uh, but not necessarily to everybody, but to the sure. to the close crew and that kind of thing. But but these admirals are like they got to believe that that's what Picard's thinking. I mean, come on, right? Um, you know, a big problem in in Roman times was the fact that England was really hard to control. And they had to send a lot of uh, troops to England to, you know, to control that part of the empire. Uh, of course, it wasn't England then. But, um, and multiple times, the guy who was the governor of England had all this military stuff. Multiple times, those governors of the UK uh, went ahead and attacked Rome. <laughs> And they failed, typically, but still. Um, I mean, this is going to be the same thing. Right. Kind of. I just, no, absolutely. I just, see, I just see some of those parallels here. I just right. thought that was interesting. I mean, Necheyev and the, and the Vulcan guy have to, be, have to be thinking about something here. Right. Anyway. Yeah, and then you've got to think that there's, each one of those ships has 100 plus, you know, several hundred people on it, you mm-hmm. would think. Yeah, unless yeah, yeah. unless they, they're all rigged up like the Enterprise was in Star Trek Three, where <laughs> you get away with just five. Yeah, well, you're not going to do any scientific missions, 
So maybe you don't need 250. Maybe you need 200 or 180 or something like that. Because all you're going to do is go to war. Uh, and you're probably not going to do hand-to-hand combat. But who knows? Somebody, somebody's got to fix the ship when it, when it gets a hole exactly. in it. So he's got to fire the phasers. Um, right. So anyways. But yeah, good point. I mean, I guess that's what's true with any empire is that as you get bigger, then you have to worry about it eating, your, eating itself. Threats from within. Yeah. Indeed. Okay, that's my last thing. Okay. All right, well, the next one is Mirror War Cisco number one. Uh, this came out June 2022, so it is cool that IDW is releasing them once a month, even though one might be part of the main series and the next one's a one-off. Uh, the writer is uh, Danny Lore, artist Hendry Prasetta. Colorist is DC Alonzo, letterer Neil Yutaki. Senior editor Heather Antos and editorial assist by Vanessa Gonzalez Rial. There are several covers. So the first cover is by Hendry Prastia, and it shows in the middle Cisco and uh, a Bajoran woman, which may be Kira or it could be Ensign Rowe. Behind him on the top, we see Deep Space Nine. Uh, and then below, we see the USS Defiant, like zooming towards the reader. The second cover is by Ejawa Edge Ebene, and it shows just Cisco's head and shoulders. And then you see a woman's hands on his shoulder and kind of caressing the side of his face. And then the last cover is by Tom Ralston, and it looks like a like a pocket books type cover. It looks like a novel cover. Uh, it's probably my favorite out of the three. So in the foreground towards the lower part of the page is Cisco. And then behind him, we, to his, to our left is deep space nine to our right is Garrick. And then behind all of that is a close up of Kira's eyes, just kind of staring at the reader. The story starts off. And again, this must take space take place even before episode one or issue one of of uh, mirror war so we're on terok nor and cisco is awakened by intendant kira who is getting herself ready uh she says she has or as she's getting dressed she comments about their night's festivities between her and cisco she also informs him that he will be attending a party with her later that evening as her trophy human later at the party cisco is shown a cardassian there by the name of garrick tar and this guy is thinking of taking over kira's place as ruler over the bajoran sector and cisco is being tasked with bringing him down cisco then talks to garrick and garrick wants him to outright kill him but cisco says that a man like that needs to be humiliated first otherwise if you just kill him then somebody else will take his place. So later, Cisco is meeting up with a black market dealer named Tarek Reyes, who just happens to turn out to be the son of Carrick, the uh, the bad guy, and a human woman. So he's a, a mixed heritage person. Uh, the two of them have a long talk about trust and family. So we flash forward a little bit later, and Cisco is talking to Kira over comms. She's complaining about it taking so long uh, to bring down Karik Tire. 
And then uh, we see that Cisco is actually on the bridge of his ship, I guess the uh, pirate ship, and we see the rest of the pirate crew listening on. And then she oversteps a bit and brings up his ex-wife, Jennifer, which obviously upsets Cisco. Uh, and then Cisco raises his voice, and this startles the crew so much. It's amazing. They're a pirate crew who suddenly turn into Deep Space Nine Federation uniformed uh, characters, including Worf. So it's very odd panel. But uh, as he's getting angry, somehow they transform into their prime universe selves. Anyways, later, Cisco arrives at a planet to pick up uh, Tessek. And, but before the deal can start, Tessek's father shows up. Uh, Karik now tells Cisco that uh, his Defiant-class ship in orbit is being surrounded and that no one's there to help him. Suddenly, there's an explosion somewhere within the warehouse that distracts Karik and his guards. Cisco's able to take out the guards and free... Tessak, who's been bound and gagged this whole time. Sisko then tells Karik that they are only surrounding a decoy of a ship, and suddenly there's another Defiant-class ship that shows up and starts wailing away on the Cardassian ships. Karik is then shipped off to Terak Nor to face the consequences from the Intendant. Tessak is now in control of Karik's fleet, and he tries to thank Sisko, but Sisko will not let him do so. He tells the mixed-race man that everyone now knows who Tarek is and that he does not have his father's clout to, to protect him, so he now has a big target on his back. And for that, Sisko apologizes, and then he leaves. Later, Sisko gives his final report to Kira and is dismissed. So he heads off to what would be Quark's bar in the Prime Universe. And he sees a familiar-looking woman, Kira Norris, wearing her Bajoran uniform from the Prime Universe, having a drink. The end. So tell me that wasn't confusing. I dare you. Oh, it's confusing, all right. I mean, the whole thing's a bit confusing. It, it's a bit... <clears throat> a lot of stuff going on. And I think a lot of the artist decisions um, is the basis of some of my um, confusion. Right. Because uh, definitely when I first saw the cover, I think when we both first saw the cover, um, I know I thought it was Cisco and Ro Laren. Right. I, I didn't think that was Kira at all. I mean, she's got dark, short, dark hair. Um and she looks really cute, and she, in the face, she looks more like the actress that did Ro Laren, in my opinion, than she does, um, what, Nana Visitor? Right, and she's not wearing that skin-tight <laughs> leather outfit that the Intendant always wore. Right. So, yeah, no, I, I still so, think it's Ro Laren. So that threw me off, right. So the cover threw me off, and then well, Cisco looked pretty, you know, pretty normal with, with, the, cool, with the cool jacket, with the right. flap, so he looked cool. But the defiance there. Why? I, I, I agree with you. I, I <laughs> and and the defiant is in the in the in the book too. Right. That's Two that's Cisco's ship. <laughs> I know. Oh, so it's like so how far wait a minute, because, Okay, so my biggest my biggest number one 
irk with this thing is, is how they drew Cisco and um, and Kira. They both okay. look like they're in their twenties. They look like kids. Um, they do look young. Yes, they look really young, and they are absolutely perfection physically. Uh, right. Now the actors were attractive people, but these two are drawn um, absolute perfection in the twenties. This doesn't make any sense. And in many, and again, in the book, there are some where it does look like uh, Nana Visitor's face, some panels. But again, a lot of the panels look like it's more uh, of a uh, Ro Laren look. Or, or even a different person completely. Right. So No, I agree. I mean, uh, that didn't bother me so much because it's a comic book and often people are drawn to perfection, you know, so. Yeah. I was I, that was, that didn't bother me. The the things that did bother me was, and I said it in the in the in the synopsis. Mm-hmm. Why on earth have that random panel mid conversation of O'Brien, Worf, Quark, and and Dax kind of like looking at him perplexed, wearing Starfleet uniforms? Yeah. Well, why have the last panel? And then the last panel too. Yeah. But I mean, at least the last panel. Maybe that's how is that? How does that make sense? Well, I mean, I can't remember the first time they go to the Mirror Universe. Does oh, where the Mirror Universe is, is that where Kira? To... Yeah, is that where Kira and the Pirate Cisco met? I can't remember. So I don't know if this is just dovetailing into that first episode, uh, which it could be, but I don't remember that specific scene where they're in the in the hotel or not hotel um, bar. Okay, so you're saying so you're saying that this is supposed to lead into that? Uh, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. That would make any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, it looks like Kira, or, or yeah. is that or is that supposed to be some other Bajoran person that's wearing the Bajoran uniform? This from exact the same universe? Bajoran uniform from the Prime Universe. Yeah, I, I don't know. All right, so back to the random shot. Do you have any explanation as to why Worf and them are in it? I mean, no. Can you think of any reason why mid-conversation the crew of no. the, the pirate crew turns into the Federation? No, getting back to your original question, no. Absolutely yeah. makes no sense at all to me. All right, because I reread that page so many times, just trying to figure out: it, it, are they saying something in the conversation that that kind of alludes to what the Prime Universe would be like? But no, it, it's just so weird. Well, what does it say? Um, but there was a difference between numb to his current circumstances and Kira bringing up the past, right? Well, yeah, because she brought up she brought up Jennifer. Because at this time, okay, yeah, Cisco yeah, the, and Jennifer the, are are split up. They never had a son. The ex-wife. So, okay, yeah, right. okay, but but they say bring up the past in the middle of this thing. So another way to read it is, Cisco with these people were in her past. I mean, I agree with you saying it was the ex-wife, right. but it's like, I I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's I, just. And if it was just a mistake from the, you know, if they, if, ar- if the artist was like, oh, I got to draw 
the bridge crew looking at him surprised and he just drew the Federation bridge crew instead of the pirate bridge crew. That's... I mean, the uh, the editor should have caught that. It's just like, wow, how do you let that slip through? That can't be. Yeah. That can't be. I mean, it's almost like they just wanted some excuse to, to draw the bridge crew in there. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't I mean, know. The, the normal universe bridge crew. And it makes absolutely no sense at all. Right. Yeah. No. And, and uh, yes. <laughs> not to keep beating a dead horse, but that made no sense. And then the fact that the pirate ship is now the Defiant, mm-hmm. which we know that they they don't build a Defiant in the Mirror Universe until Cisco's already dead in, uh, in, during Deep Space Nine, when they have to go get the real Cisco to come over there to teach them how to fly it. <laughs> so from blowing up? Yeah. Yeah. Shaking itself apart. Yeah. That's that's what he says. So yeah. yeah, so we know that that was the first time the mirror universe had the defiant. And then here, they have two of them, baby. Yeah. It's just like what? I'm they have so a depl- uh, a decoy one and a second one. Right. And it's apparently it's it's got a shield, right? Or a cloaking device? A cloaking device, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was so annoyed and and confused and uh, and look at all these dialogue bubbles. Have you ever seen this much dialogue to have to explain a convoluted uh, turnabout or something? No. You know, so so yeah, so Cisco's the really smart guy. Okay, you're really smart and everything, and it's just like, oh my god, look at all this dense dialogue. Anyway. Whatever. Yeah. It, it just seems overly convoluted. Yeah, for basically being a plot of turning your son against the dad, um, it, it could have been done better, I think. Yeah. So, what would you think of the son? I thought it was kind of cool that you see a Cardassian slash human hybrid. Yeah, well, like I said before we started recording, um, I thought it was very odd, but I'm also used to seeing... Cisco with Jake, and so here's a young, uh, a young guy, um, and I was thinking, are they trying to go for some kind of a, a Jake vibe here or something? Um, like in the alternate universe, this is how Jake turns out. Uh, it's like I I didn't understand, mm. uh, and it didn't seem like it. And and it's really funny because the first time you see this character, uh, what, what's the guy's name again? I forgot uh, what his name is. I forgot but, what it is, too. Um, uh, Tassax. So Tassax is his name. The first time you've seen Tassax, he's freaking Batman <laughs> from the uh, from that Zack Snyder version of the... Where he just comes out of the shadows? Where he, well, yeah, well, he comes out of the shadows, but but that one where he had like is in the desert and stuff after the Earth has taken over. Uh. And, like, uh, you know, he's got... You know, he's got he's out in the desert and he's got dusty thing and it must be hot as heck but he's still got his whole Batman get up on anyway he just he he just struck me as like are you guys going one minute he's Jake one minute he's Batman and the other minute he's almost like is he trying to go for a Jake Sesco feel to him I don't know but uh, but but look at that outfit the first time you see him the first panel he's got a hood yeah. over his head yeah and, and the, the, yeah the, the way the shadow comes exactly. across his nose it does look like a cowl exactly it makes him look like he's got the Batman cowl on and yeah. he's got he's got kind of a well anyway he's got the six pack abs and he's got he's got the bat utility belt look he's got a bat utility belt anyway 
Yeah, uh, that's funny. I, I wouldn't have thought that, but now that I look at it, I totally see the Batman cow with, <laughs> with that shadow. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot of artist decisions that I thought were weird. And, and of course, things could have been, you know, the, the, the author, the writer could have said, hey, you need to do this here and that here and whatever. But um, right. yeah. it, it, it just comes back to some of the visuals. Are, right. Uh, are, strike me as odd. Yeah. And and how about Garak? Now, in the party, Garak has a 20th century tuxedo on. Which was pretty funny. Which I thought it was awesome. He looked great. He should wear a tuxedo all the time. Like James Bond there. Exactly. Exactly. He looked like, like, like James Bond or something. And, uh, at, but he's like, okay, no one else has a tuxedo on. Um, and that's a human outfit and everybody hates, uh, the empire and somehow a 20th century dressing, formal dressing style is going to be used by, uh, well, okay. So they're not the Alliance. There's something else, right? The Bajorans? No, I think they're part of the, oh, are they part of the Alliance? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they're part of the alliance. So and they must and they hate humans. So why would anybody be wearing a 20th century human garb? Yeah. Um, but I mean, so in this at this time period, Garak is still doing his spy thing, but for Kira, right? Is that yeah, it? Right. Okay. Because he definitely seemed like he is an operative or security guy or something for Kira. Right. Um, and then putting him in a tux. You know, even more reinforces the idea that he's a spy for her. Anyway, so I, I understand why they did it. It's just, at least I think I understand. <laughs> I just thought it was an interesting choice. Right. Yeah. Now, interesting choice, yes, but, and I have lots of qualms about the story and, mm-hmm. and the artwork, but the artwork does look nice. I mean, oh, like when, when it shows the Defiance flying on that two page spread, mm-hmm. that is pretty. And, you know, you're saying that they look too young, but they do look nice. I mean, well, they, yeah, they, they, they look nice. They're very, uh, they're wearing very attractive clothing. So very stylish. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's well, a mixed and, bag. And, and all the poses by Kira. I mean, she looks like, she looks like she's one of those prices, right? Girls from the, from the seventies or eighties when it was okay for, game shows to objectify women like that. I mean, she's got a little butt sticking out here and she's got the plunging neckline there and, you know, they're in bed half the time. I'm not complaining about any of that, by the way, but, um, right. Well, that Kira was, is always hypersexualized. So it, it fit her character. What in the TV show? Yeah. The ki- so? the mirror Kira. Oh, the mirror Kira. Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I thought yeah. you were talking about the regular one. Normal Kira. No, she's, yeah. She's tough. She's tough yeah. as nails. Yeah. I mean, mind the, you, she looked good in her outfit, but, you know, I never really thought of her as, you know, that overly sexy. Yeah. But, but the she mirror sure is in this, always, this issue. Yeah. The mirror cure was always prancing around in that uh, skin tight uh, Emma Peel <laughs> slash Catwoman <laughs> outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really don't have anything else to say. As far as the covers go, mm-hmm. I like the first one and the last one. I didn't really care for the. Uh, the one where it was just Cisco with somebody playing with his face. Uh, just, yeah, which is Kira. Yeah. 
Probably. That's got to be zero. So, yeah. Based on the screen. Yeah, I, I, I didn't like the, the second one either. I agree with you. But that third one, man, that, that was beautiful. I, that could be like a movie poster or a novel cover. The third one was great. I thought that's great. And if they would have drawn Cisco so he looked like that, I would have been much happier mm-hmm. in the book. Yeah, like, he, like the actor. Exactly. I'm sorry, but he should look, he should look like a guy in his late 30s. I mean, this could be earlier in, in time. That's fine. But it isn't that much earlier. Yeah, especially if that last panel is supposed to be when Pirate Cisco meets Prime Kira. Right. Which we don't know. We don't, we don't know if that's really happening or is that another one of those weird, they accidentally drew the wrong, wrong person in the panel. Well, it wasn't accidentally, but yes. Like that middle one where Worf and... Right. Where Worf and Quark other people are in there. Anyways. All good points. So, anything else? No. I am... I'm done with this one. Yeah, me too. It's definitely the weakest out of all the the spinoff ones, for sure. Yes. Now, it should be interesting to see what they do... um, uh, with Deanna, right? Yeah, it the should next, be really interesting. Yeah, the next spinoff is Troy. Yeah, because a lot of times, like a lot of the women on on Next Gen, uh, they didn't always have a lot of things, a lot of stories focus on them. And right. They had some, and even you know Troy, Troy had that little. Uh, little sexual thing going with the uh, guy that does the uh, the old people insurance commercials now. But um, so it should be interesting to see what they do with her. I mean, how does she become exactly how does she become this absolutely immoral sadistic um, inquisitor inquisitor. There you go. Inquisitor. Yeah. Torturer. Um Always, always like a sexy pose, <laughs> and so she she knows how to use the combination of sexiness and pain uh, to her advantage. Um, I should be interesting to see how she became what she what she became. Right. Yeah, but unfortunately, that one hasn't come out yet, so we're actually caught up on Mirror War as of recording. So oh, um... so that means we're done. We we we, we finally caught up with the things we missed. And and now we we've we've obtained our objective, with the exception of? of four issues of Star Trek Discovery: Adventures in the Thirty Second Century. <laughs> so uh, as of recording, all four issues are now out. So we'll do the next two episodes covering those, cool. and then by then we either will be caught up completely, or we may have another this uh, mirror award to do. Okay. There's nothing I like better than to claim victory a fifth time. <laughs> Maybe this time it will stick. Yeah, well, as long as nobody nobody made any mistakes. <laughs> you are our librarian. You are our oracle mm. of publishing goodness. Okay. So, so anyways, that's it. So I'm looking forward to the thir- discovery stuff. I, I know... Uh, we've been kind of holding off on it because you weren't blown away with Discovery 
last season Wait, and season. you haven't even finished it yet. So no, I have not finished it. Uh, may or may not have spoilers. I don't know. And I'm fine if it does. Mm, okay. I am fine if it does. Um, so this is the first recording we've done since Strange New Worlds season ended. Season one ended. So what yeah. did you, quickly, what did you think? I loved it. Great. I loved all the new characters. They gave time to almost everybody to yep. flush them out as yep. opposed to Discovery, which only had two characters. Yep. No. <laughs> uh, I loved it, man. It's, it's, it, was, it was what I wanted. It's, it's what Star Trek should be. Yeah, I completely agree. It was very good. Very good. Um, they, like Next Gen did in their first season, they retreaded a lot of existing uh, T- uh, Taz ideas. Right, but they didn't always do it in a great way. Where this first season, what ten episodes, right? Right. No, six. Episodes. No, no, eight episodes. Oh, eight. Okay, wasn't it? You sure? Okay, well, no. whatever. A limited no. number of. Of course, episodes. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's a limited number of episodes, yet they were able to go back to the well twice with Balance of Terror, and it still worked. The two episodes that went back to Balance of Terror went back to the well on that idea. They were both great. They, they did a very good job of taking the basic idea and reworking it into something that works very well for Pike and the uh, crew. All right, what was the other episode? Uh, the first one, where basically they, they came into contact with the Gorn. So, but instead of the Romulans, it was the Gorn. Oh, okay. So that was the, you know, where they went into the nebula or whatever. and Sure. And it was again like, like submarine warfare kind of thing. Okay. Um, Which is also very reminiscent to Star Trek the to the Rathacon. A little bit, a little bit, but the original one was uh, Balance of Terror. Sure. So, um, and then of course the last episode yeah. was, was awesome. So great. So great, and uh, they just basically redid it, but they redid it in such a cool way. Right. Although I got to say, that whole idea of um, Jim Kirk and Sam Kirk both being in in Starfleet, (laughs) exactly, well, and in the early days, I mean, he wasn't dead. It's just I thought he was a colonist with his family. Right. Well, my wife and I were talking about that, about how when the accident happens Uh to Pike, then maybe that was when Sam Kirk decided to leave Starfleet and raise a family and um, kind of be away from all that. And, right. and since that didn't happen, he stayed stayed on on the ship. Could be. Could be. Th- that's how you do um, alternate futures right. Because it wasn't just suddenly the, the cast and crew that you know are there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's... You know, because if if the captain's mm-hmm. still there, then you're more likely you they might stay longer than they would if he did die or something. And now a new captain shows up who brings his own new people. Mm-hmm. So I love that they brought in a few people from Taz, but not just totally. You know, suddenly Sulu's there, suddenly <clears throat> everybody's there. Um, Scotty. Scotty was, cool. was there because that was cool because they don't have a chief engineer at the end of uh, uh, at the end of the season, so. <laughs> oh. Got to replace him with somebody. Okay, well, we got to end this eventually, but <laughs> I really that that was. Uh, I mean, when they killed him off, that was um, 
That was unfortunate. Oh, it was. I liked him. I liked him too. What was his name again? I forgot. Uh, Hammer or Hammer 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 Hammer. Hammer. Yeah. It's more like right. Hammer. Um, I thought he was great. Yeah, sarcastic. You know, rough around the edges, but he yeah. Fired. And for him to die exactly the same way Ripley did on Alien. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling. Well, that's why I said it's more of an homage. How much that episode was just like episode, uh, Alien Three, yeah. even with the chasing the aliens in the corridors, corridors yeah. and stuff like that. And they were like, "Yeah, well, but does it end with uh, somebody having uh, an alien popping out of them as they fall fall to their deaths?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> exactly in fact, <laughs> okay. So that that was the horror episode. Yeah, which. I, I thought it was, you know, they gave a lot. I think, I think they tried hard um, in that episode. Um, but ultimately, it's not a horror show. <laughs> so, right. Um, and that's fine, but I just, I didn't like how they changed the Gorn. I mean, we've seen the Gorn yeah. in expanded universes, you know, with both Next Generation comic books and Taz comic books. And I agree. Yeah. Gorn aren't hatched out of people's chests like like the alien they, they they're more traditional well, they are now uh, egg-based reptilian creatures which uh right i much prefer than the, than the than alien these, version than these yeah yeah another thing like like we were texting back and forth can i mean there's looks they look so feral and they're and they're four-legged uh pretty much right um now, now was the biggest one we saw was he supposed to be an adolescent so he wasn't full grown, right? No. Okay. Right. So he was some kind of adolescent or whatever. But still, can you see something like that operating a starship? Uh, right. A Gorn starship. But still, you know, or, giving orders <laughs> and, you know, being in some kind of, uh, you know, a, a whole bunch of them working together? Yeah. It's like, exactly. wow. It's like, geez, they look so feral. Anyway. Right. Whatever. Like the alien, right? Yeah. I mean, like when the in, in aliens, when they cut the power and. Hudson's like, they're just animals. How could they cut the power? Which you always kind of like, well, do they have some sort of intelligence? Mm-hmm. But but not like, I I wouldn't want to see the aliens piloting spacecraft and using guns and stuff like that. That's just... Right. So, anyways, okay. way, way off topic. We're way off topic, about, but we did enjoy it. But yeah, it was good. I, I, it I, might be my favorite out of the, the new Trek stuff. Right. Well, they, they did... Okay, so... Trek Culture, I know we're going to end this, but Trek Culture just did a ranking of the uh, new Trek shows. And at least according to them, and they all like all the different people that contribute to Trek Culture, and there are a fair number of them, they all, you know, went back and forth and figured out what their rankings were. And so their agreed upon ranking uh, puts Strange New World as a clear number one. Right. Which and I, I was. I was surprised how far down Picard was. I mean, I knew Picard would be fi- far down on the list, but it's like almost at the end. <laughs> and again, I can't, I can't necessarily argue with that either. Yeah. I mean, sh- Short Treks, for me, Short Treks is de- the definite bottom. Yeah. And then uh, Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks would be at the top, and then everything else just depends on my mood as to where, where I would rank them. I mean, because... Right. Some discovery is so good, and then some is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that one's a tough one, and and unfortunately Picard kind of ended up in the same boat where yeah 
some of it was just so good, and then some of it was just like, what are you talking about? You know Guinan because she mm-hmm. should remember you because she met you in the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with the actress changing, right? Because sure. Whoopi doesn't look that young anymore, but yeah. come on, she still should remember. Yeah. He told her his name in, yep. the, in the past, so. Yep. Anyways. Anyways. So, right. That's funny. Okay, well, thanks everybody for joining us on the review. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at starttcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.